You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Thanks for being back with us on the podcast. I want to announce right now, right up front, that our next podcast is going to be all of you hearing about people that joined us for the Utah Meetup. We're very excited about that. Yeah, we did this last year, and the Utah Meetup is upon us, which we can't believe. And it's our greatest driving roads of Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are sorry if you can't join us. Uh, we are looking at more trips in the future. We're hoping for two domestic trips we, next we year. We are, yeah. but yeah, we'll uh, we'll hear from everybody on the trip. Anybody who wants to be involved in the podcast, which is yeah, fine. Yeah, it'll be great. And just kind of talk about the driving experiences they've had. But welcome back. As Todd said, we also have two YouTube videos that have released on both channels. Mm-hmm. The new Nissan Z, many of you on the internet requested that we drive it against the GR86. Yes, and some of the commentary was, guys, you idiots, because it's YouTube. Guys, you idiots, <laughs> you should have waited for the Z. Yeah, right. Right. You know, So we put our 86 against the Z and are having that conversation about, did we choose wisely or not? Because <laughs> let, but can, candidly, the spec sheet of the Z, the minute it came out and, and Nissan said, this is what this car is going to be, it got almost universal love. The minute that spec yeah, sheet dropped, true. it was like, well, that's the car we all should buy. True. So then we bought an 86, and people went, guys, did you not listen to the memo where the car you should buy is the Z? So we're answering that, hopefully. <laughs> Whether or not we chose poorly or not poorly, yes, we'll have to find out. But then also, on the Test Drive channel, the pilgrimage video from Pilgrimage 2022, and that was our large trip to Germany and Belgium, driving both spa Francochamps and the Nürburgring Nordschleife yeah. and all the people that went with us. So it was, it's an overview of the entire time that we had. So check mm-hmm. that out on our test drive channel and the super manual is still playing on there as well, yeah, which is. is cool. A lot of people are interested in that car, but uh, the pilgrimage video is the newest mm-hmm. and it just gives you a flavor of what that's like. And we also look forward to having you on future trips as well. For sure. Our friends at Haggerty are always doing something new, and they've decided to have a new Haggerty Marketplace. It's your hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classified experience, buyers can shop for vehicles for sale from the Haggerty Drivers Club members, and sellers get access to millions of car lovers. There's all kinds of cars on there, too, so no matter what you're into, you'll find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's fees, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, we highly suggest heading over to Haggerty Marketplace and taking a look around. We know you'll love it. I still like my Sunday morning cars and coffee business idea. Yeah. I've been mulling it further. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I still think I should do that. And, See, the problem uh, is you need, who, who's your cars. angel investor though? That's what you need. Your angel investor that steps alongside you and just buys all the cars. I do and need And then that. you set up yeah. the, the mechanic that you trust that sets up all the governors. And then you have somebody build you the app. That's true. I'm going to gonna just, need an yeah, app developer. You're going to need an app. To do that. But I still think it will print money. <laughs> because The cars will be parked. They'll yes. just sit for the uh-huh. most part. And, and then you have the Cars and Coffee governor on it. Yes. So they can't get wrecked unless somebody literally like pur- purposely drives it into something. I think it's a surefire winner. Personally. I drove the Z today for the first time in anger since we were on our trip up north. And that's a piece. Yeah, you were I'm telling me. So excited to share that north trip with you. It's going to be really, really fun. We have so much good footage, so many amazing roads, and we went north. And so I drove the Z in anger for the first time since we've been home. Because we have yeah, driven the other cars and that kind of stuff. The Z was filthy. 
And so I washed it a week ago with the foam cannon, and now I'm in love with the foam cannon. I know you are. I I'm just, so glad. Because I, I am not skilled, as we have discussed. And that <laughs> car so came glad. away looking wonderful. But I, I drove it today, and I had somebody I had to pass. And so I thought, all right, well, since I need to pass you, I'm going to put my foot in it. And then I just kind of surprised myself. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what we want for all of you. We want you to have a car that never ceases to amaze you. And I had that moment in the Z today. I was like, this thing really goes fast when you ask <laughs> it to. love that. Yeah. But the person ahead of you was in a rogue, you said, and he said Briefly. rogue. Yeah. yeah. You fool. Don't you know what I'm in? <laughs> she left the light and I was behind her and there was an opportunity to pass getting on the freeway. And I took that opportunity and then looked down and went, that is a very large number. Very <laughs> so quickly. Glad. I'm so glad. Well, we've got a couple of great car debates for you guys. Matt L. in York County, Pennsylvania, writes to us while trying not to be one dimensional. <laughs> okay. He's got an email here, which we'll cover. And I do have good suggestions for you, Matt. And then we've also got Zachary T. in Columbia, South Carolina, who is coming to the end of a project car and mm. wants some suggestions for what's next. But let's dive into Matt's email. Starting off here, he is in York County and has been a listener and YouTube subscriber for about six years. The two of us have apparently completely fueled his car love to a brand new level. We are consistently bad influences. I have we noticed try. this, and we're fine with it, yeah. Matt, thanks for writing. Really appreciate your support. Growing up, Matt was also always a muscle car fan, and when he was 15, he's now 33, he bought a 1978 Pontiac Trans Am. Mm -hmm. Over the next few years, he turned it into a 600-horsepower weekend warrior. Wow. It is very fast, but one-dimensional, and now he finds himself getting bored driving it. Which means it goes really, really fast in a straight line when you point it down the road. By the way, I'm, I'm wrestling with a Topic Tuesday along the lines of, it's not quite Topic Tuesday. It's not fully formed yet. It's okay. just a, yeah. a note. And that is, so far, two people who own Mustang GT350s have written to us because they're bored. Interesting. Their cars are so fast, so powerful, mm -hmm. so almost daunting. They're... You know what? I I don't know if I want or need this much. Sure, sure. And so what's mm -hmm. next? And people are kind of willing to it's not a downgrade, it's just a what's next. And I yeah, I'm just yeah, noting yeah. that here and I'm observing that in your email, Matt. Six hundred horsepower, that's not slow. That's the, the aspirational number and more numbers, more mm -hmm. horsepower must be better, and it just keeps getting better. It just keeps getting a higher number to tell everybody at the Cars and Coffee. To some degree, because unless you are, and, and I know there are those of you out there that don't ever go to autocross, but you go to the late night drags. That's what you do. Yeah, sure. Your area doesn't have autocross worthy stuff or it doesn't have worthwhile roads. And what's fun for you and your car people is to go to the late night drags. And at that point, I understand it's not who I am. It's not my people, if you will. But I understand why, you know what, I need to be faster when I come back next week. I need to have more power mm -hmm. than I did the last time. But if you're not using it like that, then you end up in this situation here where it starts to feel one dimensional because, yeah, you can put your foot in it and you can shock yourself. I mean, Matt, but, I do appreciate yeah. and I like Hot Rod Drag Week, which is actually, I think, going on right now as, a, as of this recording, where you've got five different venues mm -hmm. and you're required to take the, your build, your car, mm -hmm. in you know, competing in various classes and drive it from one location to the next. Not only are you drag racing sure, for your sure. bracket your, or, or your class, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to drive it from location to location. So five different drag strips. I, mm -hmm. I do appreciate that. I like that you're forced to... You know, it's got to be roadworthy, and you got to actually mm -hmm. drive it on its own power. Of course, you'll take the the drag slicks off, but you know you can change that out. But then people are driving these cars; they've got to be reliable. Yeah, for sure. So it really comes down to the build. I, I appreciate that. But he says, along with this being his first car, it's also the car that allowed Matt to meet his wife. They met at a car show. 
Mm. So it's got a lot of sentimental value to him, and he doesn't think he's ready to part with it. So right now it's not for sale. So this but is, I also get the idea mm. he doesn't drive it. Yeah, and I also get the sense that he's he's starting to think, could this be something I could get rid of? That's that's unspoken in this the, the email. The seed has been planted. He's not there yet because it has so much sentimental value. First mm-hmm. car, met your wife. I get it. That's yeah. that's deep seated stuff. Yeah. But as we've said before, and I'm just I'm just putting this out there to you, Matt. As we've said before, you don't have to hang onto a car you're not going to use or no longer in love with because it has sentimental value. That value will linger even if the car is gone. I agree. I'm not saying sell it. I realize you're not ready, but I'm also, I, I'm trying to be your car buddy and saying you can, and that's okay. Now, talk to your wife about it, <laughs> True. but at the same time. She's got something to say. Totally. Sure. At the same time, though, just because a car has connections to times in your life, those times in your life and the warm feelings and the great memories, that doesn't go away if the car does. For sure. In 2009, Matt bought a new Pontiac G6 GXP. Mm. At the time, he was very happy with it. During the six years that he owned it, he grew very frustrated with GM quality. Interesting. He says he claims that cars with 40,000 miles aren't supposed to need brake pads and rotors and ball joints and control arms and <laughs> motor mounts and sunroofs that leak. And, <laughs> and that's just a really? partial list. <laughs> when, when he, here's the thing. When I was reading it, and I was like, aren't supposed to need brake pads and rotors? And I was like, yeah, they do. And then the list went on. And I was like, <laughs> right. the list keeps going. And it grew another head. Well, Matt started to realize that what he really wanted was a car that handled like a sports car. Mm. His buddy had an E36 M3 at the time, and he loved driving that car. And so the G6 very quickly became cast aside. It's not what he wanted anymore. Well, he and his wife got married in 2012, had their first son in 2014. Mm. Congratulations. And then in 2016, Matt and his wife had their second son, and he and his parents made, and his parents made the leap and opened up a CNC machine shop. So hang on, hang on. Married, kid one, kid two. Yep. Leave your job, start a new job, start, yeah, start, start your business. own business. Yeah. That's a lot going on, man. He says at the time, both of them had two-door cars and a family of four wasn't working with that. Mm-hmm. So he sold the G6 and bought his grandmother's 2002 Ford Escape, 70,000 miles. Worst decision ever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Okay. It was a total reliability nightmare. And then he acknowledges, he says, look, we had a Ford Focus and that was great, but this Escape was a disaster. <laughs> so his wife was an at-home mom, so he got the escape and in, in, inherited her focus. So over the next five years, he's been commuting in an 07 automatic focus. Okay. Every time he drove that car, his soul would cry. <laughs> Reliable, but no fun at all. He says it's been difficult financially, starting a family and a new business, so he yeah. just dealt with it. The escape was starting to die, so he searched for a replacement and he's, he researches endlessly, Matt admits to that, before he buys something and planned on taking his time. But then the escape failed Pennsylvania State Inspection because of frame <laughs> rust and was condemned like a house is condemned from being lived in. Do they, do they keep it at the inspection place where that happens? That, that's really what I want to know. If they condemn it... Do they keep it? They probably turn it into the Jaws for Life extraction demo Seriously, unit. what do they like, do with it? When they, you <laughs> condemn a car, can you drive home in that car? No, he says it couldn't be driven. I, I guess. Well, luckily, Matt's got an 04 F-250 for the business, so he was able to use that as his temporary daily, give his wife the focus. Okay. And, you know, since the family's primary car, their escape was such a nightmare, and he says he decided being the MOF for the family, he needed a reliable family car that was also the fun car. Mm. He had his heart set on a new Civic Si, but he knew Good finding choice. one was difficult. Mm-hmm. So he was okay with a 2018 to 2020 Accord Sport 2.0 with a manual transmission. 
He and his wife had planned to go out shopping for a car in this crazy market. And as fate would have it, she was rear-ended in the focus, <laughs> and the insurance company totaled it. So wait. Oh, my god! So wait. We have the escape that gets condemned by the state. Uh-huh. So now we're leaning on the focus, and it gets totaled. Yes. Okay. All right. Just following along. You're correct. He continued borrowing the company truck. Because uh-huh. now the only car. <laughs> yeah. He knew the right choice was for his family was to put his enthusiast choices aside, and so they did buy a 2022 Accord Sport SE in sonic gray pearl, black leather. He paid MSRP. Well, okay, all right. a different time. I mean, before, if anybody told you they paid MSRP, you would have said, you idiot. What are you doing why, paying MSRP? Why didn't you negotiate? You know you can negotiate that, right? Yeah. <laughs> What? Really? That's all you got? And now you got MSRP? we celebrate. Yeah, it's like, whoa. We throw a Thanksgiving Day parade. You look, you're, you're, you're really good. I mean, MSRP? The confetti cannons. Like, <laughs> I paid MSRP, everybody. Ba-boom. Ba-boom. We're having drinks at my house on Friday. Yeah, because I've got money. I didn't have to spend <laughs> MSRP. Exactly. Yeah. He says it's not an enthusiast car, but it's his turn now. And he's at war with himself on what car to get. So he's been researching cheap enthusiast cars for five years. <laughs> five. Uh huh, and he says he's a big fan of E90 and older BMWs. From what he's read, BMWs used to be enthusiast-driven. You are correct, sir. Mm-hmm. From the placement of the engine, the chassis, the steering feel, rear-wheel drive, the M division, he's really become a fan of BMW. But he's concerned about this being his daily and having to deal with reliability of old. BMWs. He's a fan from a distance because he's never owned one. He's just researched himself to a place where what I need is a BMW, yeah. but having never owned one, there's that big question mark. I mean, those old BMWs have outlived an escape. I will have you know. That is an excellent point. It wasn't, yeah, you could go find yourself an old M car, <laughs> but the escape saying. has currently been condemned by the state. <laughs> yes. Now, Matt likes cars that are the oddball cars. So he's hoping to get something he can take both his kids with him on fun drives, like that Z3 Coupe, but it only seats two. There's so many cars he's read about over the past few years that have changed his mind about being a father of two, or were in his budget but now with a crazy market are now out of reach. So he wants something not only fun to drive, but something that has that feel that, Todd, you and I are always talking about. Mm-hmm. He wants steering feel, a notchy shifter. He doesn't want understeer, an interesting engine. And he says, I like to think about those moment in time cars, but his budget is making it very difficult to feel confident. Mm. At least every other week, he tells his wife about the next car that he found and how cool it is. How annoyed is she at this point after five years of that? Yeah. <laughs> he writes, she is very supportive and listens to his endless rants, but doesn't share his passion and is really just someone for him to dump information on. I'm sure she loves that. She just mm-hmm. loves that. She's currently nodding her head at the podcast going, please help this end. <laughs> yeah. So Matt is five foot ten, 160 pounds. He fits in anything. He has driven an E36 M3 NB Generation Miata, 2013 Hyundai Genesis Coupe, and an Audi A4. And now for the budget, which is $10,000. Mm. He says, please don't use stretch dollars because he bought a $31,000 Accord. He paid MSRP. Let's throw him a party. Yes, he Seriously, bought a brand Saturday new night, Accord. <laughs> Matt's buying drinks. <laughs> We're just going to sit in the driveway extra with drinks around the MSRP Accord and be like, good job, man. Good Seriously. job. Yeah. He wants manual transmission, mechanical feel. And he says the cars that inspire his car love are the FDRX7. He loves this car. You want to worry about reliability, yeah, yeah, though. Anyway, separate, separate thing. 
NSXs. Ooh, I mean, yeah. he's not saying he can afford these. They're just ones that, that light his fire. You know, I get it. Good ones are $180,000 now. Good ones. Like which? the really nice the NSXs. The, oh, the low oh, mile, yeah. perfect. Oh, yeah, pristine. yeah. The really wonderful ones. They're 180 grand they're, now. They're over, they're over six figures. It's crazy. What is wrong yeah. with this world? Many things, and that is one of them, yes. E90 M3, E46 M3, Z3 mm-hmm. M Coupe, S2000. I mean, the greatest hits, man. You're, this you're going is a down great the list. list. Yeah, Shelby sure. GT350s. Surely somebody who's selling their GT350 that I mentioned. Call Matt, <laughs> quick. <laughs> for sale. Not for 10 grand, though, but yeah. True. Probably. All Miatas, he says, his friend's 99 Miata opened his eyes. How fun those cars are. Good. And then he sends the list of cars he's considering, which include two E46s, mm-hmm. two, well, one E92, one E82, the yep, 128 the, the one series, yeah. Wow. First gen Mini Cooper S. He does have a Mitsubishi 3000 GT on here. And with the parentheses, is this a wild car? Is this a nightmare? <laughs> and I admit, I, I have zero uh, authority from which to speak if okay, I were fair. to say, yeah, don't buy a 3000 GT because I'm the expert and I have dumped money into cars. And I... <laughs> I, I Cannot sp- I cannot stand over here and wave the flag and say, don't buy a 3000 GT. What are you mm, doing? I have I'm to the say, idiot with the 928. You are, but I have to say that's one of those cars that was so packed with tech. There's a ton of stuff that could go wrong from that era. Okay, and the 300ZX I have is in a similar category. Oh, true. But the 3000 GT, I have to think about two things. The first thing is you do see, not often, but you do see Nissan 300ZX twin turbos around. How rarely yeah, yeah. do you see the Mitsubishi 3000 GT? They're out there. They're out there. <laughs> is what? What is the reason for that, that we don't see them? I, Nobody I, ever sees I them? I have to think that what they're that either reason? sitting in collections because they don't have to be driven or they uh, are no longer able to be driven. You know? I distinctly remember sitting in a new one at an auto show mm-hmm. 20 or more years ago and just thinking, this is cool. Yeah. This is cool. I actually know? want to get one on camera. I actually discovered somebody that follows the show has a relative with one. Oh, that's right. You mentioned that. Okay. We need one of those. Interesting. Other little shoots we want to do with our uh, cars of the past. But anyway, many things are on the whiteboard. Last car on his list is the RX-8. Well, of course, because you like the RX-7. Is that a bigger nightmare? Quite possibly. (laughs) I mean, how do you feel about (laughs) second engines? Exactly. Depends on how you feel. I mean, second brand new engines from the dealer that are 20 years old or more. Anyway. Please no Fords, Matt says. He hates understeer. Audi and Subaru are out as well. Well, you know, that could mean any mid-engine fun little sports car, but you know. You can make many things understeer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah lots yeah. of cars can understeer. Sadly, yes. Well, first of all, Matt, if you buy something within your budget, your $10,000 budget, but it doesn't run well or it sits in the driveway, your MOF will be less than pleased. Well, I guess you are the MOF, but your wife will not be pleased. Yeah, true. Hands we'll on be hips. Right, we'll be right back there to the same discussion. So yes to any of the BMWs that you mentioned. Hmm. I mean, you're you're giving us lists of BMWs saying, I really like BMWs. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Here's the ones I'm considering. Should I get one? It's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, he wants validation <laughs> for getting an old BMW. You're for right. Sure. You're right. So, yeah. yes, but inspect them to a standard, to mm-hmm. a, you know, the work's been done. You're not buying a project. You're buying something that you could just drive. And all the things that it needs mm-hmm. are the nice-to-haves. But if you needed to keep driving it, you could. I agree with that. One of the thoughts that I had here, Matt, along these exact same lines is you have two E46s on here. Now, the E46 is a great generation of car. Full stop. Yeah. yeah. Those are also 20-year-old cars. Yes. Sure, yes. it is in a really good shape. I mean, we know multiple people that have had the the E46, the ZHP, which is essentially as close as that generation got to the M3, but in four-door form. Some of those are in great shape and run really well. I don't think you're going to find one for your budget at that point. My concern is the $10,000 E46 
what does that need? Because it's a 20-year-old BMW now that you bought for cheap, and I think that adds up to extra dollars to be spent. I will pile on briefly with the BMW suggestions here, Matt, and that is the E30 generation, not an M3. Oh, you went way back. Okay. The reason I say that is because if you go even older, those cars have been forced to keep running by virtue of all the dollars spent mm, on them. I Ask see where you're me going. How I know. <laughs> but I found a 1986 325i five speed for under 10. Just the classic. That's interesting. Yeah. 325i yeah, yeah. four door. Mm-hmm. It's just cool. It's classic. But with 186,000 miles, somebody or a lot of owners have put money into the car stuff has been to keep it running yes it's not worth very much but it does actually run and drive which means it's probably going to be okay and they're simple too i see that because because he's not in the m3 i see it right i mean those the m3 of that era is not a fast car so now you're in less than the m3 so just be prepared it's a not fast hundred thousand dollar (laughs) car that's true how do you spend a hundred grand and still not go fast and you're not fast and everybody else spend a hundred grand is faster than you well everybody that spent 10 grand is faster than you a separate thing yeah but moving on to some honda love because you've demonstrated that there's more uh possibilities that they are reliable Okay. Sure, I agree with that, yeah. So how about a second-generation Honda CRX from 1988 to 1991? Oh, interesting, okay. It's just cool. Now, they're not but no back seats, really. Well, I guess the, that generation kind of did, didn't they? Not big, but yes. Not big. This is when packaging was surprising because things were because the A-pillars were small and that kind of stuff, yeah. Okay, well, that's don't bother me with trifles. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's still good. I see where you are. Go on. Honda CRX, Honda CRZ, and Honda Fit. All three of those are manual transmissions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of the three have back seats, and they they're cheap, and they're yeah, going right. to they're right. going to run despite high miles. Actually, <laughs> the higher the miles, probably the better they're going to run. A lot of probably people use maintain those, better. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people use those CRXs to commute in. I came across 350,000 mile CRXs like wow. when I was in wow. high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wow, just commuting to Wyoming, whatever. <laughs> the thing just runs. Sure, sure. There's also the Fiat 500 Abart. I have that on my list. Do it's you? a very good one, yes. Toyota MR2 Spider, third generation. Problem is the Abart not, has not four seats. Yeah. The MR2 does not. Yeah. And then finally, Lotus Europas are pretty cheap, but they're, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're under 10 grand, but they're expensive. Like drinks in Vegas are expensive, you know, like drinks in Vegas are free, but they're, they're actually not free because then you sit down at a table and they're, yeah. you know, that free has a different meaning. So. Yeah. And honey, I'm still looking for parts for the Europa. <laughs> right. That's a, that's an ongoing Just say, new reality. Lotus Europa, life. you get Lotus. It's really it's low. funny. It's you very can funny. Win, you can win a limbo contest. You're right. Car limbo. You're, you're the now the man. Yeah, for but, sure. But you know, they're. Maybe maybe just to entertain the thought and move on. But I, I like the Abart. I like the 500 Abart for you, Matt. I do like that as well. That is absolutely on my list, Matt. I agree with that. I want to say that I like your 1 Series suggestion because that gets you yeah. a little bit more modern car. Some of the 1 Series are underappreciated if you get, and I don't remember what it's called, but there is essentially a, a sport handling pack of some kind. I forget what the BMW nomenclature was. With that on the 1 Series, it was actually pretty good. Now Those the one like just over a decade old at this point. And the 135 is actually the one you want. It's like the mini M3 of that area. It's the same era as that E90 that you like but smaller. Yeah. It's it's the 135 is actually the car just before it became the 1M. If you want to think about it in those terms. Those are okay. sweet. So the 135 IS is a real fine, but all of those are above your budget. If you could pull off a 135 in your budget, great, but it is going to come down to maintenance. I like that the 1 series was brought up. The Mini Cooper Early gen, like the first gen, like I had, yes. However, now think about a couple of things. When when BMW released that updated Mini, 
mm-hmm. the R53 if memory serves. That's the one like I had with the supercharger. If that's been maintained, they are typically more reliable than the second gen when they went to turbos. But the difficulty <laughs> is, because the second right. gens were notoriously unreliable. Yeah, they weren't good. Yeah. So the first gen with the supercharger just comes down to how is it maintained. Now, the one that I bought was meticulously maintained. I think each turbine blade of the supercharger was carefully Q-tipped Prob- and probably, yes. waxed. And, and I bought it with 186,000 miles on it and put ten grand on it, and it still was like, yeah, and. Now, yeah. That, was a, that was a complete oddball, but of course it was super cheap. Because those cars aren't worth anything. Yeah. So find one that's been well taken care of with a supercharger. doesn't have an oil leak. That's a common problem. Mine did not because of, again, the turbo cleaning. <laughs> the guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, exactly. He was awesome. <laughs> but uh, that's why I bought that car. But if you can find one that's been maintained, I think you would actually love that early Mini Cooper. And then I will say this because I've got two that are wild cards. One is the Mazda Speed 3. Sure. Now, my concern yeah. is that the one that you get for your budget might be beat on. If it's been maintained, the Mazda Speed 3 is very fun. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a lot of fun to drive. It's got a good six-speed manual. It has decent-sized back seats. I think you'd really enjoy that car. It has tons of torque steer for personality, but it is very fun. Yeah, true. I like that because it gives him that Mazda thing. You know, he's tapping into the RX-7 and RX-8, but don't get those cars because I just don't think they're going to be worth your time and money. For what you're looking for, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the Mazda, that will give him his Mazda fix. I think so. Now, be, be careful of kind of maintenance on that because those cars are known for some level of overheating problems with that 2.3 liter motor. So be sure it's just been well maintained. And then the car I want for you is barely in your budget. You've got 10 grand. Mm-hmm. If you told me you had 13 or 14, you're right in the dead center of the car I want you to get. So have a consideration about whether or not you want to reach for this car. Because you said no stretch dollars, so I'm trying to be careful. I did find some of this car right at ten grand, but they were higher mileage. And that is you've had mixed experience with Fords, yeah. but you liked your focus, so I'm going to say Fiesta ST. You would love that as a dad car. That is, there is, I have, I have never met a person who loves cars, who has not driven a Fiesta ST and not gone, yeah, those are really fun. They're not for everybody. They're small back seats. But the ones that are ten grand are high mile. But yeah, like huh? the sweet spot, the middle of the market right now is fourteen grand. That's like the dead center of the good ones. So I want you to consider the Fiesta ST. I know it breaks the Ford rule. I understand but the Fiesta ST is a special car in that lineup, and I think it is a great little dad car you would enjoy even more than you think, especially since you're looking at things like you brought up the Abarth, which I agree with. I mentioned Mazda Speed 3. He mentioned the Mini Cooper S. you got to drive the Fiesta ST in that group. That's true. I mean, mainly my takeaway is that prices on Focus or Fiesta STs have come down and down and down, and they've dipped, and now they've gone back up the other Every, way. Everything bounced. Everything that's did. what I've just heard. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what, exactly right? what happened. Yeah, that's sure. horrifying. Crazy. Well, Matt, hopefully those suggestions will be worthy of your investigation. Let us know what you get. Write to us, Car Conclusions, your Topic Tuesdays, and of course, most of all, your car debates, TV at gmail.com. When you remember a car that you're interested in, or you hear us debate a particular vehicle right here in the podcast, you need a way to search for it. Our friends at Autotempest.com focus their efforts where it's most important, helping you find great cars, local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones. Or maybe you're the person all your friends talk to when they're car shopping. The folks at Auto Tempest rely on word of mouth too, and you'll give your friends the tool they need when you tell them about Auto Tempest. 
autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites generally support. So, when you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing to feed the disease, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know that we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars. One search. Zachary T. is in South Carolina, writing to us to continue the discussion on our Discord server. Mm. About a month ago, he sold his daily, which was an 03 Lexus LS430, okay. to his brother after he was in an accident. Hope your brother's okay. Yeah, for sure. It was a good car. It was comfortable, good power, but it was predictable and dull. <laughs> okay. He was planning to drive his project car, a 1986 Pontiac Fiero, until he could get a new car. Now, I want to stop here really quickly. I just want to put an image in all of our heads. On one level, we have the big Lexus sedan. Yeah. The one that is known for its reliability and its comfort and the fact that it will run until the earth stops spinning and it is a big, large, floaty sedan. And on the, I th- if I had to sit down and take some time <laughs> and figure out what is the polar opposite of that car in size, intention, build quality, reliability. What is the polar opposite of a 2003 Lexus LS? It is probably a Pontiac Fiero. Zachary, congratulations. You own Spectrum of Sacrifice. <laughs> you, you have nailed it. <laughs> yes. It's funny. You're right. Well, the Fiero had a major cooling issue a week before he had to move. Okay. It was a $1,500 project car, and combined with the other issues it had, it wasn't worth repairing, so he put it up for sale. Okay. But that car really woke up his love of driving and was the most fun he's had at 45 miles per hour. That is actually really cool when you get that kind of car. It was not great at highway speeds, though. Yeah, that's, that, that's less great. Zachary's going to be visiting his mom once or twice a month, who lives over 300 miles away, about six and a half, uh, six-ish hours, he says, by interstate driving. Flying to see here just isn't really practical. And he works from home and can borrow a truck from the family, so two-seaters are on the menu. Good, I like it. He's got a strong fondness for cars from the 80s and 90s, since they're what he grew up with. So he's got the Radwood cars on his mind. Mm -hmm. Discussion recommended the C4 and C5 Corvettes as probably the best option for his $15,000 to $20,000 budget for an older car, with some suggestions towards the SVT Cobra. Now, let me stop here again. Here's what's happened. (laughs) He is part of our Discord server because Zachary is one of our many very supportive and awesome patrons. And when you are a patron at any level for us at patreon.com, when you are a supporter of us, you get access to our Discord server. And what you guys have to understand that continues to blow Paul and I away (laughs) is the level of car debate, and I'm selling this, and what about that car that goes on on Discord that Paul and I aren't even a part of. It's There's just fantastic community on there, and to the point that people have actually bought and sold cars among patrons and Discord members. That's happened actually a lot, much more than we even record and talk about on this podcast. So he's been on there talking about his whole situation. So when he says recommendations have included, that is straight off the Discord, which is really cool. And And I like the thoughtfulness of those recommendations. A C4 and C5 Corvette is most people have concluded is the best option. I think that's a great option. And then there's been the wild card option of an SVT Cobra, which is pretty cool as well. See, there have been many meetups and many adventures yes. planned. Mm-hmm. Todd and I weren't even aware of until after they happened. Yeah, well, photos will come up on the Discord. It's like, here's what we did this week. And like, wait, that that looks cool. So everybody is like-minded. Everybody's kind of looking out for each other. Yeah, it's awesome. It really is awesome. So... Yes, if you have inclination, patreon.com, you can find us on there. 
Zachary says the Porsche Boxster was also discussed, but what was discussed specifically was the sticker shock of frequent repairs, mm. which I want to poke some holes into because mm-hmm. we have discussed discussed Porsche love at all age ages of cars yes, and levels. Mm-hmm. Yes, and yes, they're expensive to maintain, but in, in my opinion, a Boxster of we'll say an early Boxster or a twenty year old mm-hmm. Boxster, something like that. I don't know that that would really you know once you get major things done with it. I think it would generally be pretty good. It's it's a car with known issues. Water pump. Once you follow, well, follow and yeah. solve the known issues of that car, I think the people that I've known with used boxers, guess what? They just run. But but here's the flip side, Zachary, and that is, and I will back up Discord in this regard because this has been our experience with our Cayenne, which, by the way, has also just run. When you have to do something, there is Porsche tax sticker shock of why is it that expensive to get that part for this car? Because on my old fill in the blank, that part wasn't nearly that expensive. So that's where the sticker yeah, shock happens. True. But once you're true. over the hump, unless you have a 928, sorry, Paul, it was too easy. Uh, but, but once you're over the hump with something like a boxer and you've fixed known issues or the person that had it in front of you has fixed known issues that yeah. were the deal with early ones of those cars, I would totally buy an old used boxer. I absolutely would. Yeah, I would too. I, it's interesting. Okay, well, well, we'll maybe touch back on that, but I, I don't think that should be completely off the table, completely out of discussion. If he's prepared for when it needs something, I think it'd be a great option. Well, Zachary says his final idea is the Jaguar XK8, but he loses out on a manual transmission. And I don't think it's as good as any of the other cars mentioned. I don't either. It's interesting. It's interesting, but not interesting long term, I don't think. For newer cars, Zachary's doing drive homework, and his budget is $35,000 maximum. Mm. He could go higher but because he's got a great job, but the most expensive car he's ever owned was $4,000. <laughs> or This is a big four. jump. So his mind melts yeah. at the idea of going higher than $35,000. Sorry, I'm going to do math here real quick. Follow me. I know, I, I, we're all scared, especially me. If he's only bought $4,000 cars and he's thinking about buying a $35,000 car, that is the equivalent of us buying that $35,000 86 and deciding our next car is $350,000. Nine or 10 times higher. Yes. Yeah, I'm just going to jump to $350,000. It's going to be fine. Yikes. I see why your brain hurts, but I I do want to encourage you that, you know what's great about cars more than $4,000, Zachary? Less is wrong with them. That's what's great about them. They're, they just have a tendency, especially new cars, I have a like tendency a punching bag. to run. No, no, Do no. Kick me on my forehead. No, no, no. I'm not saying because your car wasn't $4,000. I'm talking about like I our know, cheap sports cars and things like my Phaeton and that kind of stuff. <laughs> if you buy a brand new car and your experience has been $4,000 cars, you're going to be like, why does everything just run so good? <laughs> anyway, but you probably bought that, that uh, Lexus for next to nothing and it clearly ran. Well, true. Well, Zachary gets a family discount from CarMax. Mm. So cars currently on the list include the Focus ST, the Veloster N, the Pony Cars, okay. and the first-gen BRZ FRS, GT86. Sure, yeah. Zachary says South Carolina is sunny and free of snow. <laughs> so convertibles are also being actively considered. The car must at least be tolerable in comfort for a monthly road trip. Okay. Now, he says he wants something that is relatively inexpensive to repair or new enough that he can get a CPO warranty. Mm. faster than the old Lexus, like we're talking seven seconds, zero to 60. Sure. And egg him on, encourage him to take that corner just a little faster like the Fiero did. I see this. It's great. 
His previous driving history includes an 07 RAV4, an 02 Accord V6, a 94 Chrysler LHS. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's, when's the last time we saw that typed out? Wow. Yeah. That was the cab forward design. You know it, it was. They really beat that dead horse. 05 Volvo <laughs> XC70 and the aforementioned 03 Lexus LS430. A let's see, oh, 88 three speed automatic and 86 five speed Pontiac Fiero. Wow, and the weirdly named 1995 Ford Probe. Okay, Zachary, I have choices for you. I do too. It's gonna be great stuff. If we're talking new, go look for a Honda Civic Si and be done, done, and done, done, done. Mm, Honda sure, Civic Si 11th generation, brand new. Sure, we'll pay under 35, hopefully. Warranty, brand new, mm. so much fun to drive. Yeah. Great for road trips. It's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Manual transmission. Good engine. Yeah. It, yeah it's like it. the four-door Miata now. You hang on to speed in your corners. Interesting and you're like, assessment. I'm rewarded. Yeah, okay. It's I'm, not the I'm, fast I'm thing to go with you there. Yeah, okay. But man, does it have... It's usable. It's mm-hmm. useful. It's Honda. It's going to run. Good gas mileage. I think that is your brand new choice. That's, ve- that's actually very good. I do see where you're at. But if you're going... Older, okay. I am going to plant the flag in the ground, mm. and I'm going to suggest for you a 2003 911 Carrera convertible. Whoa! Now, before you shut everything off and ignore me completely, automatic, thirty-eight thousand miles for thirty-three-nine. Yes, and one now, of the interesting things about the 911 convertibles is that if you want to find the one in the 911 lineup that will drop the fastest. <laughs> and the farthest, it's always the 911 cab. Yes. If you want a convertible 911, that is always in the lineup. Like going back indefinitely, that is the cheap buy. It is. Not only the 911 cab, but the 996 generation, which yes. this is. Unloved beyond that. Yes, I see. Regular it. Mm-hmm. Carrera Cabriolet with an automatic. Those are kind of the unloved ones, but it's still a Porsche. It still drives well. And yeah. it still drives well. And with 38,000 miles. The one that I found kind of looks new. Sure, it, it was. sat yeah. in somebody's garage. It was the weekend car. You know, it just kind of sat. It was probably stored indoors. Mm-hmm. The leather is great. The paint's perfect. It looks brand new. Mm. Now it's an automatic, but that thing's going to be comfortable for your road trips. Yeah, it would be. It is a convertible for what you're looking for. Yeah. And it's a Porsche. And yeah, it'll need stuff. But again, it's only got 38,000 miles, and the best thing that you can do and the best thing that Porsches respond to is being driven and driven a lot and driven hard, Mm. and they inexplicably continue to run better. I've experienced it on the 920, even after having the engine out, and I've touched all the bolts in there. Yeah. Touched all the nuts and bolts and touched everything, and I I still don't know why this does so good. And the engine just runs. I hate to say it, but at this point, I kind of have a reliable 928. It's That's a terrifying it thought. It fires yeah. up immediately. Yeah. The air conditioner is ice cold. Yeah. That is the big headline. I know. I, I, I know. Spoiler it's a little alert. preemptive. It's but... one of the headlines of our North trip is that Paul got the air conditioning fixed between him sweating himself to death oh going gosh. east and us going north. But... To your benefit, we happened to go during the latest heat wave that was even hotter than our trip to east. Yeah. Like a crazy, like, car-crushing heat wave was going, and you were ice cold. It was so cold on the way home, it froze one of the interior flaps for the HVAC. It froze it shut. (laughs) I know this because after I parked the car a few hours later, there was clear water on the ground in the garage. (laughs) Like, yep, it was frozen It's cold in there. There it is. The 2001 with 43,000 miles is $30,900, and it's a manual. 
Whoa. 01, 43,000 miles, Carrera Cabriolet. It's a Porsche. It's 20 years old, so mm. it'll bring your insurance cost down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, big time. It's 30 grand. It It's above your fifteen to $20,000 for a yeah. an older car. But 01, it's almost in the 80s and 90s. It almost touches on that Radwood era kind of thing. And I think those two cars have just sat. Probably, yeah. A 20-year-old car with 40,000 miles on it? It's just sat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dri- buy that. Drive that. Again, it's going to need maintenance, but so is pretty much any car unless you want to pay, as Todd said, pay yeah, yeah, brand yeah. new dollars. And mm-hmm. you know that Honda mm-hmm. Civic Si, will, it'll just, you'll barely touch it. Mm. You'll probably forget to maintain it. It'll just <laughs> I guess it's what it's still, it's still running. <laughs> kind of positive it will, but... The character and my headline for you, Zachary, is that nobody buys these old 911s thinking that this will just run like a new Honda. Mm. But the driving experience that you get out of it isn't like a new Honda. Sure. Yeah. So there's that trade off. And what is that trade off worth to you? Only you can tell yourself that only you can determine that. That's good stuff. But I'm making the case for an old 911 because you're not you know, going to the track with it. You said you want to take a corner faster. You can Mm -hmm. imagine if it didn't have a Porsche badge on it and it was just cool looking convertible. Sure. It's an excellent sports car. Mm. And with 40,000 miles, you'll probably drive it 20,000 before it needs anything. Really Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. oil changes. Something to consider. That's good stuff. I want to walk through this. I, I, I can't compete with Paul's Civic Si, honestly, because I do think that's a really compelling buy for you. I understand that the new thing is scaring you, but I want to encourage you again in the fact that, well, new cars run. And they have warranties. So there's something in what you're paying for. I the do understand it's, 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 it's a big jump. The C4, C5 Corvette, the Discord folks did great here. That's a good recommendation. I, I'd like that better than the Cobra, but it's still a very cool recommendation. I, we already touched on the fact that I think the Boxster is not as scary as you've made it out to be. Mm-hmm. Or maybe as Discord has made it out to be. I, if you do the stuff it needs. Yeah. So yeah. if you can be prepared. I think your uh, first Gen 86 idea from CarMax is very intriguing. I think you would like that car. It's not a fantastic road trip car. Right. Like right. sawing a lot of miles in that car. It's a little loud in there. Yeah. Okay. The seat's not great for long distance, but it's but it's a good car for fun and for manual and for all of those things. I think it's worthwhile in that regard. Your Veloster N idea I also like quite a bit. That's a pretty cool car for your yeah. budget for used. Yeah. So I think all of these are good. And then I stru- was struck out of clear blue with a wild card. Because I remembered your comment up high about two things. How much you like that fear and you wanted something that just keeps encouraging you to drive a little faster. And then your enduring love for cars from the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you're worried about reliability. Those older cars, that's harder. And you're worried about budget. And then I thought, you know what you need, Zachary? You need a non-turbo Nissan 300ZX. Well, that's interesting. Because if you've got 15 to 20 grand, go spend 12 and get the nicest NA you can get. You think 12 will get that done? 15 on the high side for a nice one. Huh. Because the NAs are not going for nearly as much as the twin turbos. True. True. If you really want to save money, get the auto, but get the manual. Get the manual NA. Because that V6, I had one, is a surprisingly great engine. I put a lot of miles on mine. It was my commute car in yeah. LA. I had well over 100,000 miles when I sold it, okay? That, that engine is great. Now, the packaging is tough. But that older car, I also know from having owned one, Z1 Motorsports, they have everything for that car. 
That's true. All yeah. of the parts exist. It's that same era as the Fiero. It's a much better car to drive than the Fiero. You thought maybe convertible? Well, this has T-tops. So you're not well, that sure is really about convertible. Good. You've now got T-tops. Don't get the convertible version of the Z. It's it's not nearly as good. Get the standard like Z, yeah. non-turbo, manual transmission with T-tops. Get a really nice one that's been well-maintained. That's a really Somebody good Somebody that has loved that car... And you take it on, you'll have all the 80s, 90s stuff you love in a car that I truly believe will be surprisingly reliable. And that V6, while you don't have the turbo craziness, off-turbo, the non-turbo one still has a surprisingly good engine. It absolutely will beat your seven-second Lexus you used to have. Oh, yeah. Okay? So I think that may... I'm in wildcard territory because it's an older car. But you're in a similar era to the C4, C5 Corvette. And you get into that 80s, 90s love. That's my wild card, but I like it for you quite a bit. Pretty good. I like it. Zachary, let us know. You guys have shown up with questions, and we actually had this backlog of stuff we hadn't covered prior, so I wanted to cover a few of those. I'm going to start right here with K.A. Talbot said to me, movie question. I'm glad you're covering this. What is the difference between inspired by versus based on a true story? Can they be used freely? No, they cannot. And inspired by is really, really loose. That's the artistic interpretation thing, right? I'll give you an inspired by. I'll give you a modern inspired by. Okay, go. The movie doesn't exist, but you'll see it. Okay. 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 A modern inspired by is the Felicity Ace boat. If you have a cargo ship that sinks and you can go, imagine going anywhere on the planet after that. It's cargo ship sinks and the story is just inspired by the fact that the Felicity Ace big cargo ship burned and sank. There's a ton of stories that could go from that premise. We've got a cargo ship that had a bunch of expensive stuff on it, and it burned and sank. And you could write anything you want from there. And you could put inspired by true events because there was a cargo ship that burned and sank. It we'll just be, go with it can ship. Be that It can be that loose. But I'll give you the flip there side. There was I'll water even, and a boat. I'll even stay in the same genre. I'm inspired. There was the Tom Hanks movie. Captain Phillips that was the story of the captain of the cargo ship and Somalian pirates took over the cargo ship and took him hostage. Right. That was a real story. Right. So that movie is based on a true story. Now that doesn't mean that everything that happened in that movie happened exactly as real life because any filmmaker takes creative license to make things work or to ramp up tension or whatever. But ultimately you're watching a movie adaptation of, of a real story and a real person. That's based on a true story inspired by is we can see the fact that something happened and we're going to go from there. Inspired by is really loose. Now, in all of these, lawyers were called. I was wondering about that. Because what what are we allowed to say? Okay. I've even seen based on a premise by, which is even looser. I mean, you, you can get really loose. That's just, yeah, because I'll, massaging I'll give, language. I'll, I'll give you too. an example. The movie Cliffhanger, one of your favorites, Paul. Ugh. The Stallone climbing movie, okay? The, Stallone, the, the original impetus for that was there was a legendary story among climbers, I believe in Colorado, that there was a, a, a cartel plane filled with cocaine that had crashed in the mountains and all a bunch of these dirtbag climbers were, it may have even been California. They were going to try to climb into the mountains and find this plane that supposedly was there because then they would have all this coke and this money and they could just take it and become rich climbers. There was, there was a legend of that in the climbing community for like a decade. <laughs> okay. And that kernel of something that wasn't even verified becomes cliffhanger. 
This is how of the tendrils can be. So the lawyers show up and, t- and tell you what you're allowed to say, but based on a true story is very different than inspired by real events or whatever. How much fabrication can you do in the based on a true story kind of things? How far can you go before people step in, lawyers step in and get, you know what? I'll, what I'll, can you I'll do? I'll tell you how What's far your you corral? can go. I'll tell you how far you can go. It literally is. Who is willing to take the risk that they won't get sued? Here's how crazy it is. It comes down to, is someone going to show up and possibly sue? Will we get sued for copyright infringement or that was my idea or whatever? And there's been situations. Look up, there was a whole lawsuit on the Spielberg film Amistad. Okay. There was a lawsuit where a person wrote a script about the, the ship Amistad, which existed, by the way. And there was a whole court case and that whole thing was true. But a person wrote a script about it. Okay. And they submitted it to Amblin Entertainment, which was Steven Spielberg's company. And the script got denied. But then years later, the Amistad movie comes out with Matthew McConaughey and Jamon Honshu. An excellent movie, okay? What was interesting is there was a freed slave lawyer involved in the Amistad movie. That was not a real person. And interestingly enough, the freed slave lawyer was a thing created in the script by the person that submitted and got denied. So that person sued Amblin and won because the character they had created, this freed slave lawyer that stepped alongside Matthew McConaughey, was their creation. So it's who's going to sue. Atomic Doug asks, our thought provoker has popped up on a Porsche forum where 987 owners said the 987 2.2 S was better than the 981 that replaced it. 280Z versus 280ZX. Mm. BMW Z4 versus BMW Z3. Marketing folks always want us to think that newer is better, but they aren't. Aren't they just trying to convince us to trade up, trade in? Mm. Well, yes. Car companies are in business to sell cars and make money despite what dealers are doing. Mm -hmm. The new Nissan Z is a perfect example of this. Mm -hmm. The specs are released and it's supposed to be better, but then you dig further into the specs and it's not exactly a brand new car. No. It's based on the 370, which in itself is based on the 350. Mm-hmm. So there's the bones, the, the carry-on, some of the carryover engineering, some of the yeah, carryover yeah. mounting points, those mm-hmm. kinds of things, which means money savings from a crash testing standpoint. Yeah, Crash testing is hugely expensive, very necessary, but the more that you can save and say, okay, there's no changes to that, so we don't have to go through expensive you know, fabrication, building, yeah, yeah, yeah. crash testing of that, we can just, we're, we're good, Right. Crash testing still does occur, but not at the same mm-hmm. levels yeah, yeah. when the part is brand new. So yes, they want you to buy the, the latest thing. And ideally, a newer car would be better. But car companies are always up against all kinds of things yeah, from yeah. emission standards to governmental crash standards, wanting to keep making the money, but not wanting to invest too far. Mm-hmm. You know, What's the balance of how much money do we put into it to this to keep the people happy and still have a good flagship car stacked up against, I, you know, we don't really want to spend too much money. You know, how much can we get away with over here and still, we still have the bones of a good car. Let's let's not do anything. I mean, this is what Nissan is doing and many of their vehicles are very successful because Mm -hmm. they're not starting over. And if you have a good vehicle, truck, car, SUV, and you can improve upon it and actually make it better and continue with Mm -hmm. many of the the, uh, parts, why why not do that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they've actually come up with great driving cars and trucks. Why throw everything out and completely start over? It's very expensive to do that. 
And this is a manufacturer struggle that Paul and I have bumped up against the edge of. Our movie American Original about all the Corvettes, mm-hmm. our Icon movie about the M3s, and our 50 Years of 911 about the, the Porsche 911. Manufacturers aren't quick to want to support a retrospective movie like that. And one of the reasons is because they really, really don't want an older generation to be concluded as better than the new car they're pushing. Mm-hmm. And the only time you see a manufacturer pull out an old car mm-hmm. in comparison to their new one is that they either pull out a super classic that's so different they can't be compared. And that's at the launch. Like when the Jaguar launched the F-Type, they brought the E-Type. Now, the E-Type is the legend, but you're not mm-hmm. really comparing the dynamics of the E-Type to the F-Type. Okay, so that happens. But the other thing is they don't want to bring out the brand new car versus the prior generation unless it's such a revolutionary improvement. There's no question that everyone's going to agree. They typically just bring out the new one and go, it's better. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to say, no, the last one was really good. (laughs) We've been asked on Instagram if there's any chance that we will do a test drive of the new WRX. We would like to. And we had things arranged Mm -hmm. about three or four months ago to drive that car and with the Elantra in things fell through. We were supposed to go to LA, but Mm -hmm. things just schedule wise that happens all the time. And, and we just have to roll with it. But yes, we do want to definitely drive the WRX. And, uh, as every journalist likes to say, let's find out. We're going to find out There's a fabricated headline. And then we're going to go find out about that headline. Stay with us while we find out Grady's writing in. Hey Grady, he's saying, uh, do you buy your, your once your I have to buy my cul-de-sac car and grow into it, or should you start with more humble beginnings and work your way up through a few cars? Uh, Grady, this probably won't surprise you, but I would say you need to buy as many things as possible on your way to the one you think is your cul-de-sac car. Mm-hmm. Because my question is, how do you know? How do you know before you drove a lot of other things that the car you're going, that's the one, really is the one? I think you have to have a lot of life experience. And that, and that may be that may be genuinely, you rented them, you drove a friend's, but you need to have a lot of car experience before you just go, well, this is the car I'm buying. It's the only thing I'm ever going to have, and it's going to be my cul-de-sac car forever, and I love it. How do you know if you haven't driven a lot of stuff, hopefully owned a lot of stuff? Ted Theologan, last question for me is road tripping from Minnesota to the Tail of the Dragon area this week, then on to Nashville for a Cars and Coffee at the Lane Motor Museum. Mm. Does he leave road trip scars on his car as badges of honor or take Griot's products and clean it up the night before? <laughs> you forgot who, who you're asking here. <laughs> we took Griot's products to Philly and we cleaned did. the cars before Radwood. It's part of the film. We fil- we, yes. and, we, and they still weren't clean enough for our liking. Yeah, we were cleaning them that morning yeah, at Radwood. you got to take some Griot stuff and get it kind of nice looking. I yeah. understand the road trip scars, but if you're showing it off, especially to cars and coffee, you got to clean it up a little bit, I think. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you're on your way. Hopefully, you've had a, a great road trip. And uh, yeah, check out our two YouTube videos. Those are brand new. Those are out. And uh, we're planning for the second half of 2022 and, yep. and got a lot some of big stuff on, coming. So. We've got some stuff in the can already for the 86 and elsewhere. Yeah. We've got some really cool films already shot. We've got the North Trip already filmed. That's headed into post-production. We still have the South Trip to take. That will be a trip to Texas. There will be some sort of meetup in the Austin area. The information on that is TBD. But that is coming before the end of the year. That's all just before the end of the year. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Looking forward to hearing from you. TV at gmail.com. We're always looking forward to what's next. Cheers, everyone. 